0: During the month of August, uh, we journeyed together through our In Case You Missed It message series where we were reviewing and kind of revisiting some of the significant eras of God's activity in our church. Um, we started by remembering how God convicted us with the question a long time ago, you know, if we up and disappeared as a church, would anyone in the surrounding society have notice? Um, which was a part of uh, guiding us to relocate our community in proximity with those experiencing homelessness in St. Catharines. We shared how our study of the Old Testament prophet Amos uh, awakened us to our infection with with luxury and wealth, something we called affluenza at the time, um, which significantly moved us Closer towards God, toward God's heart of compassion and justice. We um, remember how remembered how God guided us through a deeper Bible study um, in order to help us overcome our ignorance and infighting about what the Bible is and how to read it. And then last Sunday we reflected on uh, some of God's most recent activity among us as we've learned together to to love beyond belief in a way that fosters inclusion and unity among people who hold differing convictions on disputable matters in the church. So what was the point of uh, this summer series? Was it simply to kind of take a walk down memory lane because we had no better ideas of what to talk about this summer? Um, Was it to highlight and celebrate sort of these significant milestones in the life of our church? Uh, or for anyone who's kind of newer to our community, was it to, to bring you up to speed on, on things God has been up to over the years in our community? Well, I'd say while some or all of those reasons probably played a role to some degree, um, none of them were the ultimate point of why we thought these eras were worth reviewing together this summer. Um especially in light of where we sense God and how God may be guiding us these days. Um, At the end of the day, and really now kind of at the end of this series, uh, in case any of us missed it, the point of this series was actually to help us remember and to see that God always seems to have something more in store for us, that God always always seems to be inviting us into a deeper experience of his kingdom on earth as in heaven. That even or especially like once we have put our faith in Jesus and chosen to follow him, that then God never seems to be done with our transformation both personally and collectively as we have seen together era after era after era. And you know what? Theologians, they actually have a a word for God's ongoing transformation in our lives. It's the word sanctification. Sanctification. Maybe some of us have heard of it before, maybe some haven't. At its essence, sanctification simply means this. It means becoming fit for a special purpose. That's kind of the core of the definition. Sanctification means becoming fit for a special purpose. I think sometimes we think of a life of faith as this like one-time expression of a belief, a conversion, as we may call it. And this this experience is very real when we put our trust in Jesus, when we express our faith for the first time. Next Sunday, we're going to have a a couple of people getting baptized, and, and that can be part of that journey and experience. It's what the Bible often refers to as experiencing salvation, this is God's rescuing and saving work in our lives, you know, forgiving our sins, adopting us into his family, and giving us hope of eternal life with him. But what we see in the scriptures, and what we see throughout the teaching and invitation of Jesus, is that salvation isn't where our faith ends. Salvation is actually where sanctification ends. Becoming fit for a special purpose, this ongoing transformation, it's where it begins. When Jesus began his ministry, um, his very first words recorded in the Gospel of Mark chapter one were this. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. He said, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Now, uh, this calling from Jesus. It certainly sounds like a calling and an invitation to salvation, but in what we see throughout the life of Jesus is that it is also a calling and invitation to God's sanctification in our lives. What we see throughout the New Testament is that repenting and believing is not a one-time experience, but actually becomes an ongoing way of life. Now, I know the word repent, it can kind of sound... religious. Um, But one of the original translations of that word repent is actually the phrase uh, to change your mind or to to rethink everything. And it's this paradigm of continually changing our minds or rethinking everything that the Apostle Paul actually affirmed later um, as an experience or ongoing practice for his already Christian friends in Rome, people who had already received salvation through faith in Jesus. This is what Paul wrote to them. He said, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but listen to this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul was essentially saying, now that you have embraced salvation in Jesus, don't keep doing things the way you've always done them. Instead, actually keep Being transformed, keep rethinking, keep perpetually participating in God's sanctification by being transformed, continually changing the way you think and live. Another way we can think about this idea, this process of sanctification, is seen in Jesus's interaction uh, with a a Jewish teacher named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is someone we also heard about earlier this summer. And listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, "'Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again.'" born again. It might be a phrase that you've heard kind of in the church or in spiritual circles or conversations and whatnot, but let's unpack it a little bit in what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. Because although Nicodemus, in his conversation with Jesus, he hadn't yet fully understood how God would bring salvation through Jesus, kind of the mysterious work of Jesus, um, Nicodemus was someone who had faith in God. Nicodemus was someone who had kind of put their faith in God to become part of God's family and trusted in God's salvation. We, would have, uh, we can understand Nicodemus as someone who would have experienced God's salvation. And yet Jesus said that even as an elder and an experienced person of faith, as, as a teacher of spiritual things, that he needed to be born again to truly and more fully see the kingdom of God. You might say that the the process of sanctification is this process and journey of being born again, again, and again, and again, in this ongoing, continually reborn life of transformation. The Apostle Paul, once again, he played off this metaphor as well, when he wrote to his friends at the church in Galatia about how he, he longed to see God's sanctification continue in them. Listen to what he said. He said, "'My dear children,' For whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul as this spiritual companion or as this mentor to them, he he described this being born again labor pain that he was feeling on their behalf, carrying on their behalf as he longed to see his friends fully sanctified into the image of Christ, knowing that they had experienced Christ's salvation, but that that work was ongoing, that they weren't done yet, and it was going to be an ongoing journey of being sanctified into the image of Christ. His point being for us is that even after we've experienced salvation in Christ, the sanctification of Christ is this ongoing process of being born again and again and again until Christ is fully formed in us. And that's, The reminder we wanted to experience in this In Case You Missed It series, reviewing these eras in which we've been born again, again, as a community. But one way or deeper, kind of at the end of this series, that I don't want us to miss today, especially as this labor day weekend probably in a lot of our lives and in a community like ours it often kind of represents this hinge maybe from one season toward another as we we sense where god has us today um one layer deeper that i don't want us to miss is that god's sanctification in our lives doesn't usually seem to happen by accident um that it doesn't happen just by chance. God doesn't impose it on us in the free will that he lovingly gives us. And here's the key. It doesn't seem to usually happen by our own efforts or expertise. In fact, usually it's quite the opposite. Um, That God's sanctification and transformation in our lives usually comes and happens most when we humble ourselves to see the change that God still wants to make in us. Actually opening ourselves up to allowing God to to break our hearts in the ways we still need his transformation, his sanctification most, which then often leads to that transformative work, to the growth, to the change, to the healing and transformation in our lives. And you see, that that's the other thing these in-case-you-missed-it eras in our church have had in common. That some time ago, we began to be personally and as a community community um, Increasingly brokenhearted over the reality that if our church had ceased to exist, that maybe only the few of us sitting in the the comfy seats on Sunday would actually notice. And then that according to Amos, you know, if we were blindly participating in, in consumeristic oppression, according to his prophetic word, we might not even be Christians. And that broke our heart. Then our hearts were softened to our lack of understanding of the depth of the Bible in the ways it was contributing to our own spiritual maturity and infighting. And then that our, our prioritization of any conviction over and above Jesus' perfect law of love was actually hurting and excluding people Jesus loves dearly. In all of these eras, it was only when we came to that tender hearted humility, recognizing our need to grow that we began to open up to the repenting and believing, the renewing of our minds, the being born again, again, into new eras of God's transformation among us, both personally and collectively together as a community. That's what all of those eras have had in common. And I think we see this pattern in the scriptures often as well when we look at how God's sanctification um, comes in our lives. A um, famous King David, in one of his uh, darkest moments, where in his life, and his story, he he was expressing this need for a fresh experience, I think both of the salvation and sanctification of God in a new and profound way, knowing they go together. Um, Listen to this line that David wrote from one of his songs. He said, "'My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. "'It's a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise.'" as a response and awakening to some of his own brokenness, his own shortcomings and sin, his own need for sanctification. David recognized that his life of faith and the work God wanted to do in him wasn't just about singing the right songs, reading the right verses, praying the right prayers, going to the right church services, even doing church or ministry in the right way. Some of the kinds of things we do to remember and experience God's salvation. No, at the deeper level, it was a broken heart over his own brokenness that he knew God could keep working with. That he knew God could continue to transform. Um, That he knew God could uh, sanctify more fully into the person after God's own heart that David was known as. Similarly, the Apostle Paul, in one of his moments of greatest pain and anguish, he was writing to his friends in the church in Corinth, and he was expressing his desire to, to keep becoming more of who he sensed God wanted him to be. And in that whole struggle and journey, he described hearing these words from Jesus. This was the voice of Jesus speaking to him when Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, Jesus' power, is made perfect in weakness. Jesus said it's actually in the weakness, it's in that tender place, it's in that struggle that that my power then can work most profoundly. And in response, Paul said this, he said, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me, that through my weaknesses, Christ's activity and work may come to life more fully. What Paul realized in that moment and in that journey is that his transformation and sanctification, it was not going to be a result of his own efforts or expertise, but it was going to come through recognizing and admitting his weaknesses or shortcomings. And that's where he discovered Christ's true power, which leads to Christ's true transformation. So what does all of this mean for us today, this conversation about sanctification at the end of this In Case You Missed It series? What does it mean for us as we kind of wrap up kind of one season and experience the hinge of preparation for another? Well, here's what I want to say to us. I want to say, let's not miss it. Let's not miss that God is never done working in and through us. And let's not miss that God's salvation, his saving work in our lives, is only the beginning of God's unending sanctification. And let's also not miss that that God's sanctification, as we've seen through these eras and you see in the scriptures, usually begins most profoundly when we humble ourselves with soft and tender hearts to what God wants to reveal and ultimately heal in us. So as our attention shifts in these coming weeks, kind of from where we've been in as a community to where we are in this moment, the question I think for us is this. What does God want to reveal in us and break our hearts about in order to begin a fresh work of healing and transformation among us? What does God want to reveal in us personally and in community? Um, And what might God be inviting our hearts to be broken over so that a new era of transformation can take place? Because if this is how the process of sanctification works, the coming era in our church will only be as transformative as to the degree we are willing to humbly open ourselves to this new work of God. Over the past number of months, um, we've been sensing as leaders and in conversations with with many in our community that God has some work he wants to do among us. I think there's a lot of us that are just plain tired. Um, You know, running weary in our lives, trying to keep our heads above water. And for some, maybe uh, as a church, we've contributed to that for you. And I think God wants to bring some healing through new rhythms of rest. I think a lot of us are struggling with some destructive habits, maybe addictions. When when you find yourself coping with life's difficulties in a way that is only making life more difficult, and I think God wants to set us free from some of those destructive habits and patterns. I think a lot of us are grieving painful losses in recent years and just kind of living with grief that is still trying to be processed. I think God wants to meet us right in our grief and keep guiding us through with with love and with comfort and with healing. I think a lot of us are dealing with relational strains or conflicts. Um, Some in our lives that are still the relational reverberations of all things pandemic, um, some that are just the struggles of family life or friendship or, or marriage. Um, some in church relational dynamics. And I think God wants to do some work in our relationships through uh, Christ's activity of forgiveness and reconciliation, bringing, mending, and healing in relationship. Friends, I know there are people hurt by us as church leaders these days. And I want you to know it breaks our hearts. And if we're going to practice what we preach, if I'm going to be a person that practices anything I am preaching, I know we will only really experience the fullness of God's transformation and sanctification in all of these ways to the degree to which we can kind of humble ourselves and look at weakness or brokenness and allow God to touch those places, to transform our leadership, to keep loving and serving this community well. So my invitation to us is to to not miss it. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss God's sanctification in our lives by somehow missing or ignoring the not yet fully sanctified parts of our lives that God wants to reveal and heal in us most in the coming season. Um, I have to admit to you, I I want to be the kind of person where this kind of work in my life, personally, my family, in our community, that it, it begins with me. But I also have to admit that that doesn't exactly make me feel comfortable. I don't know about you, but um, in any aspect of our lives, looking at the things that need to grow or change the most, or maybe that um, we need to be broken about the most, it's not exactly my idea of how I want to spend my weekend. (laughs) Um, But I think if I've been reminded about anything this past month, It's that the process of sanctification, how God often does this work of being born again and again and again through God, revealing and healing our brokenness, it's that it's worth it. It's worth it in how we can have a fresh encounter of the presence and love of God in new and renewing ways. It's worth it in how we can be set free and change from past patterns or habits, becoming more whole and healthy and flourishing people. It's worth it in how we can grow in depth and authenticity and intimacy in our relationships, loving each other as we are and continuing to cheer one another on to become who God is making us to be. And I think we can take away from this In Case You Missed It series that we can trust that one day on another side, it is worth it looking back on the miraculous work of Jesus. Not just his miraculous and necessary work of saving our souls, but of sanctifying our lives and our communities to look a little bit more like him. So what might God do if we humbled ourselves to be born again, again in this next era? And I think this is relevant to us regardless of our age or stage or our journey of faith? Maybe you've been following Jesus for decades or maybe you're here for the first time checking this out. How might that be true in our life? And what stories might we tell a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if we humbly open ourselves to something brand new God wants to do deep inside of us? And what if we make the commitment together to the truth that God is never done with us. God is not done with us. And that God's most profound work often begins in the most broken hearted places. How might that change our lives? And how might that change our future? Um, more than we could imagine and more than anywhere we have been yet. Friends, in case you've missed it, I don't wanna miss out on that. And I hope that you don't either. As one uh, just closing moment here or practice that could help prep our hearts for the season and and our bands and our locations, they could come forward. Um, I wanna share with us a prayer that has become a near daily ritual for me. Um, It's a written prayer it's a common prayer in the church known as the prayer of confession. And I want to share it with us. Um, I'll first kind of just share it and, and, and guide us in, in maybe how it can be significant, how it's significant for me, how it could be significant for us. And then I want to give us an invitation and an opportunity, if you feel drawn to it, to actually pray it together, to pray it as a community out loud, um, as a prayer that invites God's salvation and sanctification even in new and fresh ways, in the places that we need it most. Um, this is a prayer for me that has become a lifeline to the mercy of God and a constant reminder and help and practice in how I want to be tender-hearted and open to the new thing God may want to do in me. So maybe even right now, Maybe on this Labor Day weekend, maybe this moment of prayer for us together could be a starting point of a new era of something none of us would ever want to miss. This is the prayer of confession. It says, Most merciful God, because the God we are praying to is a God of love and grace and unending mercy. We say that we have, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, in our deeds. Um, we recognize that in how we think in how we talk and what we do, we don't always live up to God's perfect love, this kind of standard of love. That's what it means to miss that mark or to sin. Um, and we say that this has happened by, by what we have done and by what we have left undone when we haven't stepped into love. God, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In my life, it is just true that more often than I even want to be aware of, um, I have not fully loved God or not just my next door neighbors, but anyone and everyone who could be my neighbor, I have not loved as much as myself. And so we say we are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. And by the way, because of the cross of Christ, God's answer to that Christ's answer to that is absolutely, of course, that's who I am and that's what I do so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, be sanctified more into your likeness, ultimately to the glory of your name, Jesus, amen. That's the prayer of confession. And if in your own life and with our community together, you you wanna pray that in this moment with us, as you're able, I invite you to stand um, in our locations and um, we'll have this on the screen. I'll speak it, I'll lead it, I'll pray it, and if you would like to pray out loud together and with me, let's pray this prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart,